0: ...you are here today. I feel like God's going to do some wonderful things in His house this morning. I do want to say that a week from today is Mother's Day. Amen. And all you brethren, you are welcome for that that reminder. God bless you. Make sure to remember that all week long. Amen. And uh, it's a wonderful day, a week from today that we will be honoring our mothers. And so we encourage you to, to invite Mom to the house of the Lord. And, uh, and mom, if it's, if it's uh, you who regularly attends, and uh, this is a good Sunday where you can put a little pressure on, on some folks who love you that uh, will come on that day to be with you in the presence of the Lord. Amen. And you never know what will happen when somebody comes into the house of God. Hallelujah. You never know what will happen in their life. And so it's a great day, and we're going to be celebrating. There will be no service on Sunday night uh, of that week because we want to make sure people have time to be with their families on that momentous uh, day of celebrating mothers. I also want to announce that we are—we uh, have made a really a tremendous uh, uh, advancement in a particular area, and we're very excited about it. And I want to announce this. We're getting ready to announce it uh, uh, to our uh, young people as well, but but we are thankful as the First Apostolic Church to be welcoming uh, Tyler and Caitlin Kovach back home to FAC, and they're going to be overseeing our youth ministries. Amen. Amen. This is going to be a great thing, and some of you remember Brother Tyler. He grew up here. Of course, Caitlin uh If you don't know her, you're in for a treat. She is the daughter of Pastor and Sister Mark Barrick of Orlando, Florida, where they've been living. They've been living in exile in Orlando for the last few years. And it's been a very difficult assignment for them. Uh, Not really. Uh, But uh, we're going to be welcoming them home, and they're going to be a tremendous blessing to our young people. And uh, our young people are blessed with some of the wonderful leaders Uh, in the youth ministry. Let's give all of our youth leaders a great big hand. They have been tremendous. Amen. And uh, it is such a blessing to me personally to be able to see our young people, uh, their lives so touched and so impacted by the sacrifice of of the good uh, young men and young women who uh, pour their lives into our young people. And uh, I'm excited because we're going to see a great revival. Amen. And and so I know there's no room to be had right now, but we're going to be making room in Jesus' name because God has so many more than what's here right now that he wants to bring into his precious hope. Hallelujah. And I believe we have some folks getting baptized today in the precious name of Jesus. This is wonderful. This is wonderful. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, I will uh, turn your attention to the book of Philemon. The book of Philemon. And uh, (coughs) Philemon is uh, not necessarily a book that you hear from a lot in preaching. I don't even know if I've ever preached from the book of Philemon before. But we're going to look into the word of the Lord this morning. There's only one chapter. If you've never turned there, it's right between Titus and Hebrews, and we're going to begin reading from the eighth verse of the chapter of Philemon. The scripture says this, wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ, to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet For love's sake. Everybody say, for love's sake. sake. I rather beseech thee. Being such an one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him that is mine, mine own bowels, whom I would have retained with me that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without my thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season Oh, hallelujah, that thou shouldest receive him forever. Not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, specially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he hath wronged thee, or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. Oh, hallelujah. I want to preach for just a few moments this morning something the Lord has laid upon my soul. And I pray that, and I know that he'll help me to deliver it. I want to preach to you about the great power of love the great power of love. Let's go to the Lord together in prayer. Heavenly Father, you are so great and greatly to be praised. Lord, your power and your wisdom exceed all things. Lord, we love you today and we thank you for loving us. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would allow me to preach your word. Oh God, with anointing, with accuracy, with fervor and boldness, hallelujah, let the Holy Ghost have free course in this house minister to the deep needs of people today in the precious name of Jesus we invoke the power of God in the name of Jesus Christ and everybody said in Jesus name and everybody said amen Amen. and amen God bless you you may be seated in the name of the Lord I love this Bible. I love this Bible, but it didn't matter exactly which Bible I'm holding, I love this Holy Bible. Whether my parents gave it to me or my grandparents gave it to me, my friend gave it to me, if it's the Holy Bible, I love it. I love it. It has been my constant companion in life. It has been my constant guide. It has never failed me. When I open the word of the Lord, sometimes it comforts me, sometimes it corrects me, but all the time it gives me just what I need. Amen. And I am so thankful for the word of the Lord in scripture form. It is no, it is no uh, uh, surprise for you to hear me say, though, that this book has its critics. You run into them. Maybe you were one at one time. You know, a Bible-believing individual many times is just written off as somebody who's brainwashed. You might be brain-cleansed, but not brainwashed. And uh, But the fact of the matter is that Bible believers are folks who started out as critics. They didn't just take it without observation. Many times they walked into the thing saying... I don't know if I believe all of that. But a few times of putting the Lord to the test, a few times of really getting into the Scriptures and understanding what thus saith the Lord, they began to embrace His Holy Word and believe on it as the guide of their life. And it is the precious thing. The Bible says that it is a lamp to our feet. That it is a light to our path. The Bible says that if you will hide its words in your heart, that you might not sin against the Lord. Very powerful word that I preach to you from today. I preach to you from the word of God. But it it has its critics. Even today, there will be those who would be glad to denounce it. Glad to dismiss it as some kind of an ancient, irrelevant text. And it is because they either do not know it, or if they do know its words, they have not rightly divided them, or they have have taken it out of context, or they do not understand the God of this Bible. And you can't separate the God of this Bible from this Bible. And So there are some passages that if you're not looking at it from the eyes of faith, and if you're not looking at it from the eyes of having been enlightened by the Spirit of the Lord, there are some passages that can be confounding and even confusing. And so this book that I read to you from is a book that causes some people some problems. And we're going to look into it today so that we can understand really what was happening in the context of this book of Philemon. Philemon was a man who was a Christian, but he owned bond servants. This man was an owner of slaves. And Paul writes a letter to him and the words that we read are words that Paul wrote to the man Philemon. Some people have looked at passages in the Old Testament where that God actually is is instructing Israel on how to treat those who are their bond servants. And they say of those passages that God has endorsed or condoned the awful matter of slavery. Let me say from the outset of this message, God does not condone slavery. God never did condone slavery. But we want to understand what was happening when the Lord would deal with it. First of all, I want to say that We understand that God does not condone the act of slavery because God does not see people as being superior one to another. Man was made in the image of God. Period. You are not better than anyone you will ever meet. Because you are made in the image of God and they are made in the image of God. Male and female created he them. And that's how God sees all of us, in his image. This is why he has compassion on us when our lives go awry, things go bad, our feet go astray, our minds are demented or distorted or warped according to our Perspective of the world and God has compassion because God knows how he created us to be You need to understand today that you are fearfully and wonderfully made Amen. And are not, nobody, nobody has superiority over another And God is the great champion of that truth So then why would God even teach the Hebrew people how to handle their bond servants First of all you have to understand That God was dealing with fallen humanity. God was dealing with fallen humanity and in dealing with fallen humanity, he had the monumental task of bringing people out of their own darkness, out of their own confusion. And he had to do it in a way that They would be willing to do it. God does not, cannot impose his will upon anybody. You have to understand that God has a will and man has a will. And the only way God's will can be done in a man's life is when that man says like Jesus, not my will but thy will be done. It is a legal matter and God is not criminal. God does not impose his will upon your will but he will teach you, lead you, guide you, instruct you, and if you let him, save you until your will has become his will and his will be done. You have to know that historians have actually looked at the matter of slavery and have many of them pointed out that the Jews practiced it differently. Every society in the world has, but the Jews practiced it differently. And the reason they practiced it differently was because of God's involvement. God spoke into those circumstances and and this, this atrocious act of one person owning another person, God dealt with it and taught them how to show love one to another. And never, never did God condone or endorse the practice. As a matter of fact, in modern times and in, in recent centuries, the act of slavery became a horrible and treacherous act that has, that has been one of the most uh, obscene uh, absurdities on the face of the planet. And, of course, it involved selling and stealing and kidnapping and a mass slave trade and slave market. And the scripture addresses that in the book of Exodus. Those who say God endorsed slavery don't understand what God said about it. God said in Exodus 21:16, if anyone steals a man and sells that man or keeps that man in his person shall be put to death. That's what God said about it. Now, when he looked at those who were practicing an economic slavery, you got to understand, God was going to to rip the rug out from under it, the whole practice. He was going to remove it far from humanity completely, but it was a part of the economic system of ancient times. And it did not involve stealing people. It involved people, many times, who were so impoverished That they themselves would offer themselves as a slave. They found it to be better for them if they were. And God was not happy with this, but he looked at those who would purchase that individual and say that you had better give them blessings. You bless your servants liberally. As a matter of fact, he said, if they've been your servants for six years, the seventh year, let them free. And when you let them free, this is in Deuteronomy 15, you give them blessing upon blessing. Blessing upon blessing. And, and, and this, was, this was the case throughout the Old Testament. Many people look at this and say, God endorsed slavery. No, God never endorsed slavery. God's desire was to completely eradicate the practice altogether, even, even that which, which was that did not involve kidnapping, that did not involve stealing. God said, I'm going to eradicate all of it. But I'm going to do so by teaching you and leading you into understanding the great shame that is involved in this practice. See, when God does something, He does it from the inside out. You can pass as much legislation as you'd like, and even when the legislation has passed, the hearts of men have not changed. This is why there was a great civil war that was waged in order to abolish slavery in the United States. But a hundred years later, the hearts of men and women remain unchanged concerning their feelings toward their fellow man. And so when, when God looked at this matter, God said, I'm going to lead you out of this practice. I'm going to teach you that the person you consider a bondservant is your brother, is your sister, and that you should treat them as such. And so when you look at the way that the Lord deal with it, they also, these critics of the Bible will also say, well, the Lord endorsed the matter of polygamy because in the Bible you find people who married multiple wives. Again, you have to understand God never endorsed polygamy. Look at what he did from the beginning. He said, I'm going to create one man for one woman. And then man, because of his fallen nature, began to practice polygamy. God never said, I want you to have multiple wives. God never said, I want you to have, uh, uh, in in Solomon's case, it it was out of control and all of it. God was trying to bring man out of this confusion. But the fact remained, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt honor your father and mother. God's command still remained intact. But God was having to deal with the fallen humankind. Before the Holy Ghost had ever been poured out. Before sin had ever been paid. The hearts of men were desperately wicked. Wicked deceitful in all things and God would look at the Hebrew people and say listen you're not going to act like other nations and I'm going to teach you I'm going to lead you I'm going to guide you and instruct you away from the practices of other nations and so God would teach them how to handle their relationships even with bond servants and these were these were Again, this was not based on race. This was not based on nationality. This was not based on people being inferior. But they would, they would enslave people when a person had a debt they could not pay. Or when they were so impoverished that they could not find their way through society. They would submit to being a slave. And God said, we're going to eradicate that whole system. We're going to wipe that whole thing out. But we're going to do so through the greatest power that exists on earth. And that power is the power of love. And so you look at what Jesus did when he walked on this earth. He began to wage war against the idea that one person could be superior to another person. That they could be greater as, as in creation, he began to wage war. As a matter of fact, there were many Jews who felt like everybody was inferior to them, particularly the Samaritans. Jesus tells this story about a, a, a man who was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and while he's on his way, he is beaten. He's met by thieves and robbers, and he's beaten, and he's laid dead, and... and While he's laying there dead, here comes a religious leader who sees him and is unfazed by it and passes by. Another man comes by and it's a priest. Sees it and passes by. A Levite sees him and passes by. And here came a man by the name of, as we would know him, a good Samaritan. And Jesus said that the good Samaritan went down and bound up the wounds and poured in oil and poured in wine and blessed this man. And he looked at those people and said, Who do you think was neighbor to this man who was so beaten and so wounded? It shocked everybody that Jesus, a Jew, would say that it wasn't the Jewish priest that helped him. And it wasn't the Jewish government official who helped him. And it wasn't the Jewish Levite that helped him. But that it was a good Samaritan who actually represented God in this account. Jesus was coming to show people exactly who God intended for all of them to be. And he was going to do it with the greatest power. Hallelujah. The great power of love. Nobody understood the power of love like Paul understood the power of love. You got to understand who Paul was. Paul was a murderer. Later on after his conversion to Jesus Christ he was on an isle of Miletus and while he's on this isle of Miletus there came a snake that leapt out of the brush he was preparing for a fire and the snake latched onto him And, and the Bible says that that snake bit him but the venom never coursed through his body he felt no harm he waved that snake back into the fire and those who watched it happen the moment he got bit said this man must be a murderer They were right. He had been a murderer. But then when he shook the snake off into the fire and felt no harm, he no longer made them think he was a murderer. Now they switched and said, he must be a god. Because no man can be bit by that kind of a venomous beast and live. And so... Paul had an amazing conversion experience. He was a murderer. He was a brutal murderer. He was a brutal murderer of Christians. He was bound and determined to eradicate the earth of all Christianity. He viewed it as a scourge. He thought that it was God's calling upon his life to destroy Christians. And so he was gladly doing it, arrogantly doing it. And while he rode down the road to Damascus, the Lord met him on that road. And a light began to shine above the brightness of the sun. And this this light that was shining above the brightness of the sun blinded Saul and knocked him off of that animal that he was riding. He falls down into the road, and he's he is now encountering the raw power of God. Now, God can do anything he wants to do. He can open the earth and swallow this murderer. He could send a lightning bolt to destroy this murderer. He could, he could leave him blind, and he could drive him insane. He can cause evil spirits to torment him for the rest of his life until he goes straight to hell. That's what God could do with this murderer. But that's not what God chose to do with this murderer. God looked at this murderer and said, you have found it hard to kick against me because you think you're doing a service for God you don't even realize I am the Lord thy God. And instead of pronouncing judgment, God showed love that is unfathomable. He showed love that is unthinkable. He showed love that no human would have shown. He showed love that is beyond what you and I can describe. And it was so powerful. And it was so deeply impacting that Paul would later write to the church at Rome and said. I have to tell you something about the love of God. I am persuaded that nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of Christ you just have to take my word for it because I didn't deserve his love. I didn't warrant his love. Nothing I had ever done caused me to earn his love. Oh, but when he didn't have to do it, but he did, I am persuaded that nothing can separate me from the love of God. I stood there with blood dripping off my hands. And God loved me in spite of it. Hallelujah. Death can't separate me. Life can't separate me. Height can't separate me. Depth can't separate me. Principalities, powers. Nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of Christ. So when Paul is in prison, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, In bonds, as he would put it. He sits there in bonds, and here comes a prisoner into his jailhouse. And this prisoner's name is Onesimus. He is a runaway slave. Paul said, where did you run away from? They're both sitting there in chains. Onesimus said, I ran away from a man by the name of Philemon. Paul said, I know Philemon you're a bondservant to Philemon? He said, yes. He said, well, Onesimus, this is your lucky day because you met an apostle of Jesus Christ and you're not leaving this jail until you've repented of your sins, been baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. You may not have come to my church, but you don't have a choice. You were next to me in prison. You may never attended one of my Bible studies, but you don't have a choice. You put in prison here next to me. God put you here because God is getting ready to change your life. Hallelujah. I don't know what your life experience up to this point has been, but let me tell you who Jesus is hallelujah, let me tell you about a God of heaven and earth who came down in the form of a man, suffered, bled, and died on our behalf. Let me tell you about precious blood that has the power over every sin stain. Let me tell you about precious blood that has the power over every sickness and disease. Let me tell you about love that is limitless, mercy that is fathomless, grace that is sufficient. Let me preach to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now you got to understand, Onesimus did. He became a son in the gospel to Paul. Paul said, You're my son. You might have been Philemon's slave, but you're my son. Okay? So now we're seeing God's will getting ready to be exacted against the whole concept of slavery. You got to understand, he was never in favor of it. And, and, and don't mistake how he dealt with the Hebrews on it. And you check your history. The way that the Hebrews even dealt with their slaves was, was really an impetus for how slavery became abolished years later. And it was because of God's dealings with it. For instance, when the queen of Sheba came to Solomon's temple, she walked into Solomon's temple. And the Bible says that she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. She couldn't wait to get there to see the wisdom of Solomon. She comes from the uttermost parts of the earth, brings caravans of spices. And then when she walks into the the room, the scripture says that there was no more breath left in her. And she looked at Solomon and said, you know what? I heard enough that I would come from the uttermost parts of the earth. But she said the half has not been told. Do you know what half had not been told? This is, she tells us the part that she didn't hear and was totally blown away by. She said, "Happy are thy servants." Now that happy doesn't mean they were smiling and being nice necessarily. It means they were blessed. They were prosperous. She looked at Solomon and said, Solomon, you don't understand. I've seen kings all over this planet. Their servants are not blessed and prosperous. But you bless your servants. They prosper. They're not not like slaves. They're like kings. That's the influence of God. That was God's. Slow and deliberate and thorough abolition of slavery itself. We come into the New Testament and Paul says to Onesimus, you know, maybe you should go back to Philemon and and just make things right. Onesimus said, I can't. I will never go back to that man. I'm not going back. I don't know what he'll do to me. You don't understand, I'm a bond servant. And Paul said, all right, that's it. We're not dealing with it anymore. We're putting an end to it once and for all. He said Philemon has the Holy Ghost and he ought to know better. Philemon's washed in the blood and he ought to know better. Let me tell you something. Don't be surprised if you run into a precious saint of God who doesn't know any better. Don't be surprised if you run into somebody in the church who hurts you with their words, who wounds you, who verbally assails you. Don't be surprised and don't let it make you bitter. And don't let, don't resort back to old ways of handling things. Hallelujah. Always use the greatest power. Always use the greatest power. I know you got a lot of weapons at your disposal. Now abide faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these, unquestionably, is love. Paul is the one who told the church at Corinth love never fails. Whether they be prophecies, they will fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. But love never fails. Never be afraid to use love. Never be afraid to love somebody. Hallelujah. That's why a 100 years after the Civil War, my goodness, slavery had been abolished in the 1860s. And by the 1960s, prejudice was still deeply rooted in the hearts of men and women. And Dr. King stood up and said, I have a dream. You hear what I'm telling you? A preacher did what a president couldn't do. A president could change the law, but a preacher could change hearts. Hallelujah. Love did what legislation couldn't do. That's why Dr. King, when he preached, he preached the word of the Lord. He preached the word of the Lord to the heart of the matter and he would would organize peaceful protests and people would even criticize him and say if you want to get something done you don't do it in the name of peace. He would look at them and say darkness doesn't drive out darkness. Love drives out darkness. Light drives out darkness. Hate doesn't drive out hate. Love drives out hate. The greatest power on this planet It's the love of God. Hallelujah. Paul wrote to Philemon and said, All right, Philemon, I love you, man. You know I do. Grace to you and peace. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers. I know about your love. I know about your faith and that you have toward the Lord and all the saints. And I have great joy and I have consolation and you've refreshed the people. But I've got something to bring to your attention. And I know that this has been something deeply ingrained inside of you for many years. And I know that you were brought up in a way of thinking that you think it's all right. But that's about to change. And Philemon, I could come to you boldly and enjoin you. And as an apostle of Jesus Christ, I could command you. But I'm coming to you with an even more powerful weapon than all of that. I'm coming to you in the power of love. I'm coming to you on the basis of the love of God. I'm coming to write to you that I've met Onesimus. Oh yeah, I know Onesimus. And you might call him your slave, but I'm going to tell you who he really is. He's my son in the gospel. Yeah. Philemon, I want you to listen to me. I want you to hear me real good. Paul's writing all this down. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, paraphrasing, but, but, but he's writing it all down. Now, Philemon, I want you to listen to me, and I want you to listen to me good. I'm sending Onesimus back to you, but he's not coming back to you as a slave. He's coming back to you as a brother. Now this might be hard for you to deal with, Philemon. This might be a culture shock to you. This might be a major paradigm shift. But welcome to grace. And welcome to the Holy Ghost. And welcome to the kingdom of God. When you were baptized into the precious name of Jesus Christ, listen, there is no Jew nor Greek, no male nor female, no bond nor free. We're all one in Jesus Christ. Paul understood how to break this chain. Paul understood how to break this bondage. Paul understood how to shatter this paradigm. Paul understood because he had his own paradigm shattered. He understood that when there's a chain of bondage so firmly wrapped around the heart and the mind of an individual, force can't break it fleshly force cannot break it the weapons of our warfare are not carnal And the more that you try to force somebody. That's why some of you are dealing with addicts right now. And you're not sure how to handle them. Because you don't know what what to do. And you just wish they could just get a grip. And you wish they could just, just move on. And you want everything in your power to force them out of that situation. Let me tell you something. If you let love do. What love can do. And sometimes love is tough. I get it. Like, you know, some of the best love I ever got was tough love. And we can talk, next week we'll be talking about a mother's love. And if you've ever had mother's love, you know what tough love is. Your mom loves you and she's going to cater to you and she'll make you your soup when you're sick and bring you a cold wet washcloth when you have fever and she'll do all that and she'll make your favorite meal come holidays when you're on your way home and all of that. But you start straying from the path. She won't have a wet washcloth, she'll come at you with a wet noodle. Hallelujah. Some of the best love is tough love. I understand all that. But you let the love of God get a hold of somebody's heart and it'll do what no weapon on this earth can do. You can't manipulate. You can't manage. Ooh, I wish I could preach it like I feel it. You can't maneuver. You know why, you know why your manipulation has failed? Because manipulation starts with man. You know why your managing has failed? Managing starts with man. You know why your maneuvering has failed? Maneuvering starts with man. You don't need man's nothing. You need the love of God. You need the love of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God does it from the inside out. God abolishes things from the inside out. He gets inside the heart of an individual. And he starts removing their arrogance and removing their ignorance and removing their hatred and removing their prejudice and removing their addiction and removing all of their pride and all of their self-centeredness. Hallelujah. And the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Paul said, "I know how to break this chain that's around Philemon's heart. Philemon, I could come at you any number of ways, but I'm gonna break this chain. Right. I'm coming at you with the love of God." And by that, Paul was able to just walk right up to him and just take the chain off. "Philemon's not your slave. Oh, pardon me, Onesimus is not your slave. He's your brother." sending him back but he's coming back to you as a brother in the Lord and in the flesh (laughs) hallelujah this is the love of God can I tell you the task that God had in converting us to him it is simply amazing that all of us are here right now worshiping the Lord Can you remember when you were the last person you'd ever want to meet? Can you remember when you got on your own nerves? Can you remember when you annoyed yourself? And you were so down on yourself because you knew you were wrong. But you didn't know how to get out of it. And you hated yourself for all the all the ignorant things you did all the problems you caused you tried to drink it away you tried to smoke it away you tried to focus so much on your career that you forgot about the things that matter to God hallelujah and your marriage suffered and your children's self esteem suffered and you're just going along your merry way because you don't know what to do and God hallelujah who is rich in mercy God He could have done anything. He could have wiped us off the face of the planet. He could have opened the earth and swallowed us up. He could have sent lightning bolts. He could have sent whirlwinds. But God, who is rich in mercy, who is so rich in his mercy, he's so rich in mercy. He's so rich in mercy. mercy. He's so rich in his mercy. God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners he didn't wait for us to get it all together he didn't wait us us to put on our suit and tie he didn't wait for us to be able to quote Psalm 23 front and back he didn't wait for us to get our act together while we were yet sinners while we were cursing and cussing while we were fighting and fussing hallelujah while we we were hurting while we were fornicating while we were lying while we were being jealous while we were lusting, Christ died for the ungodly. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. That chain was wrapped so tight around you, it was your paradigm. It was your culture that you worked in, lived in, thought in. It was who you are. But God, it is infinite love. Let me tell you how powerful love is. Perfect love casts out fear. I know we just quote that and we move along. Maybe you forgot how big and bad fear is. Fear is one of the most hideous, horrific, terrifying demons you will ever encounter. Big, strong. It has had complete dominion over every tyrant on this planet. Those big strong men who rule nations, were tormented, owned, controlled by fear, spirit of fear. It's a demon of fear. They were constantly looking over their shoulders. Who's trying to take my kingdom? Who's trying to remove me from power? Who's trying to take my, my place on the throne? They were controlled by fear. Who's going to take down fear? Who's going to fight fear? There's only one power that has the power to overcome fear. Perfect love. I don't mean perfect love escorts fear out of the room. I don't mean perfect love negotiates with fear and comes to an agreement. I don't mean that perfect love tricks fear and then once fear gets beyond the door, slams the door, locks it, bolts it, I'm talking about perfect love walks up into your spirit, looks all over until it finds fear. And when it finds fear, it grabs fear by the collar and by the waist of his pants and takes him to the door and casts fear back into hell from whence he came. When I talk to you about perfect love, I'm talking to you about the greatest power on this planet. When God chose to save man from man's awful fall, when God chose to save man from man's sin stain, when God chose to save man from his sickness, hallelujah, and the horror of his mind, hallelujah, and the judgment and the wrath of Almighty God, he, he used the greatest weapon in his arsenal. I don't need a lightning bolt. All I need is is love. Hallelujah. So he tried to tell everybody what it was like. And he said, listen, it's kind of like if a shepherd loses one lamb out of a hundred. He will literally leave the 99 and go looking for that one lost lamb. He'll find it put it on his shoulders and come home rejoicing it's kind of like it's kind of like if you had 10 coins and you lost these 10 rare coins and you lost one you would search the whole house until you found it you know when god did what he did for us he restored our innocence as a lamb he restored our value as a coin but the third parable is the one that really gets me because he said it's, I guess, I guess you could say it's kind of like a man who had two sons and one son looked at his father and said Dad, I'm tired of living here with you thanks for all the blessings but no thanks and I'm going to take my inheritance early and I'm going to go waste it and spend it riotously just give it to me now I don't want anything to do with you anymore and when that man left his father and went out into the world and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he lived foolishly and he lived riotously and he wasted all of his father's substance that he had given to him and finds himself completely completely, uh, uh, just in a position of, of, of total loss and he's in the pigsty eating what the pigs won't eat and he says the servants in my father's house have it better than I have I'm going to go back and ask my father if I can be a servant and he went back to his father's house but what he didn't realize was that his father was looking from a long way off every day watching, waiting watching and waiting and when his head popped up above the horizon that's all the father needed Hallelujah He ran to the mudroom, grabbed his tennis shoes, and took off out the door. Hallelujah. He started running to meet his son. And his son said, Dad, I'll be a slave to you. He said, You're not my slave. You're my son. You're my son. You're my son. You know, the Bible calls a lot of people servants. Abraham was a servant. Jacob was a servant. Joshua was a servant. On and on, the servants of the Lord. Joseph was a servant of the Lord. Moses was a servant of the Lord. David was a servant of the Lord. Servant, 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 servant. Even Jesus took upon himself the form of a servant. But when Paul wrote to the church in Galatia, he said, through the power of the Holy Ghost, through the power of the we are no longer servants. We are Hallelujah. I don't understand it. I don't know if I'll ever understand it. All I know is that I don't deserve to be here. All I know is I don't deserve to be in His presence. All I know is that I've done nothing to deserve His great love for me. I've done nothing to deserve His mercy for me. Hallelujah. Souls in danger. Look above. Jesus completely saves He will lift you by his love. Out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea. Billows his will obey. He your savior wants to be. Be saved today. All my heart to him I give. Ever to him I'll cling. In his blessed presence live. Ever his praises sing. Love so mighty love so true merits my soul's best songs faithful loving service to to him belongs i was sinking Deep in sin, far. I don't know if you know how far, but I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within. I was sinking to rise no more, but the master of the sea, he heard my despairing cry. With tender hand outstretched, he lifted me. Now safe am I. Now safe am I. Love lifted me. Love lifted me when nothing else and you better know that today nothing else could help my good deeds couldn't help my good discipline couldn't help all of my good intentions didn't help everybody else's good intentions didn't help but the love of god when nothing else could help i don't know if you understand folks We were sinking so deep, 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 deep into that muck and mire. And when God came down into human flesh, He went all the way into that muck and mire and reached down underneath us and pulled us up. You're here not because you're good. You're here because He's good. many have ever heard me tell the story of of the blind preacher who went in to preach to the mass murderer and mass murderer got saved, got the Holy Ghost, started preaching the gospel all over the nation. Anybody ever heard me tell that story? That man while he was in prison, before he got saved escaped from prison. He was a murderer. He was a murderer. He escaped from prison. He was trying to Never go back, of course. And so he's trying to find a way on the, down in, in Tennessee where he was imprisoned. He's trying to get out of, out of there. And at nightfall, he, he moved out from behind the tree where he was hiding. And he found this desolate house with the light on. He walked up to the house and he, he looked inside. He saw a shotgun on the wall. He saw a little kid playing. He saw a dad and a mom and he waited till the perfect moment. And He broke into that home and he restrained the dad first, grabbed the shotgun, held them all hostage all night long. It was a horrifying story. He tied the husband and wife up in the room, put the kid in there with them and said, everybody, shut up, don't say a word, be quiet, or I'll kill all of you. And they sat there, terrified. This mass murderer, this horrible, horrible, wicked person. Well, he left the next morning when he thought it was clear. He was eventually caught, sent back to prison, solitary confinement. And then, years later, the old blind preacher came and preached the gospel to him. And he, as the story would unfold, after much resistance, he repented, was baptized in the name of Jesus, and God beautifully filled him with the Holy Spirit. He began to be a preacher of the gospel. He preached all throughout the prison. They paroled him. It was so persuasive. And he preached all throughout the nation. One night, he was preaching in Mississippi, Canton, Mississippi. And while he was preaching, he told the story that I just shared with you about the family he'd held hostage. After service, he walked off of the platform and was greeting people and up walked a lady that looked very familiar to him. And she said, do you know who I am? He said, you look so familiar to me. I'm sure we've met, but he said, you have to forgive me. I've preached a lot of places and I, I may not remember you. She said, oh, I didn't meet you as a preacher. She said, you held my husband and I and our child hostage. (sighs) Like like a tidal wave, it came back to him. He broke down weeping. He said, will you ever forgive me? He said, I'm so sorry for the pain I inflicted on you that night. I hope you understand I'm a changed man. She said, oh, I do. As a matter of fact, while we lay sitting in that living room tied up, gagged, my husband and I were holding each other's hands as tight as we could. And we each made a commitment that if we ever get out of this alive, our marriage, which was on the rocks, will not be finalized. But we're going to live together and we're going to live for the Lord for the rest of our days. He said, I guess what I'm saying is it would be our honor if you'd come to our house today and have lunch with us for Sunday dinner. The family that he once held hostage was inviting him into their home for lunch. You kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. That's the love of God. That is the love of God. That is the grace of our God. Amen amazing grace, amazing grace it can win your soul no matter how calloused you've become no matter how hurt you've been no matter how hardened your heart has come there is no hardening of one's heart that can withstand the awesome power of the love of almighty God and if you lift up your hands right now in this place and receive it, the love of God will shower you With a sweet grace that you've never known. With a sweet peace you could never imagine. He can break the chains that bind your mind. In Jesus' name. He can break the chains of bitterness. He can break the chains of addiction. He can break the chains of any resentment you may have in your spirit. Hallelujah. I wonder if there's somebody right now that could stand to their feet and and just lift up a praise unto the Lord and say, His love lifted me. I'm one. I'm one. Who has felt His love. Who has experienced His love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, I don't know what you're enslaved to today, but God wants to abolish that right now in the name of Jesus. I don't know if you're enslaved to thoughts of condemnation and shame. I don't know if you're enslaved to a chemical. I don't know if you're enslaved to an ungodly relationship. I don't know if you're enslaved to some lust of your flesh. But in the name of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus has come to abolish that slavery. The power of the Holy Ghost is in this place. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, all over this building right now. You know what I feel like? I feel like, here's what I feel. I feel like there's somebody you're concerned about right now. And you don't know what the outcome is going to be in their life. I want you to praise God right now for His love. Say, God, let your love fall on them right now. Let your love fall on them right now. Let your love fall on them right now. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let your love fall on them right now. Yes, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, I feel it deep in the Holy Ghost right now. If you obey the Holy Ghost right now, God's going to do something powerful in your life. Come on, release your will to Him in Jesus' name. Release your will to Him in Jesus' name. Release your will to the Lord right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus. I want somebody right now to step out of their seat and come forward. Come on, this is Sunday morning. It only comes one time a week. Sunday morning only comes one time a week. Why are you letting Sunday mornings fly by without getting a real touch from God? Why? Why would you do that? He is in this place. He's here to touch you, to heal you, to set you free. That's it in the name of Fill Jesus. Me up, Fill, Jesus. Me up, Fill me up, Feel. Feel me. Fill me. Up. Fill me. I want somebody to God. come down to the front God. of this house and let your opinion go. Hallelujah. God. Let your unforgiveness go. God.